0: Support comes from the Janice Hawkins Cultural Arts Park on the main campus of Troy University, featuring the International Arts Center, the Fred Knoll-Hollis Museum, and the Huabajou Gallery. More information at troy.edu slash artspark. From Troy Public Radio, this is the Storyline Book Series on In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. Patricia Foster, who grew up in Foley, Alabama, is professor emerita at the University of Iowa's MFA program. Her memoir, Written in the Sky, Lessons of a Southern Daughter, reflects the perspective she gained on class and racial struggles within what she terms the Southern caste system. Patricia Foster, thank you so much for joining us from Fairmont, West Virginia.
1: Yes, thank you. I'm pleased to be here.
0: Patricia, you're headed to Auburn next week, but before we get there, we want to talk about your book, Written in the Sky, Lessons of a Southern Daughter. You dedicated this book to the memory of your dear mother. Can you share a passage about her?
1: Okay. Um, This is a passage from nowhere. It's an essay about my mother. My mother grew up in a mining family, but at this point, the mines had closed during the Depression, and so they were sharecropping. When I can't sleep at night, I think about my mother growing up, a child in the late 1920s, her mother and brothers in the fields, growing tomatoes and cucumbers, milking the cows, bagging pecans from 20-odd trees, her father walking the roads looking for work, it was the eve of the Depression. The mines shut down, wages eroded, trust evaporated, the economy soon to become more crippled and broken. To make do, her family sharecropped near Littleton, where wild daisies and dandelions bloomed along the dirt roads and irises sometimes brightened the veals. On the shelf sat stacked jars of pickles and tomatoes in the late spring of 1928 when she was five. What, I wonder, will such a beginning make And unmaking her.
0: That passage that you just read sets the stage. And growing up with that kind of mining and sharecropping heritage, did that give you a feeling of kinship with people who were disadvantaged?
1: I think it did. I think that any time your parents have experienced a lot of suffering, you begin to explore the sort of anatomy of suffering. I mean, as I say in this essay, I was naturalized into the middle class. I didn't have the kind of class anxieties that my mother had and the sense of being degraded. But I think anytime you have a history, your parents' history also lives in you, that that history makes you aware of what suffering is. And that suffering certainly made me more aware of suffering during Jim Crow years that I grew up in later in life. I can't say that I was aware of it during my childhood because I think children are often very naive, but it certainly did make a difference in terms of my thinking about the degradation particularly in the sense of how there's always a hidden story. There's always sort of hidden complications. My parents certainly lived the life of the middle class, but their histories made them very self-conscious about being right in terms of like social conformity. And I think of all the black people in, in my town during segregation, the women who were domestics, they had to act right. They had to act proper, just as my parents had had to act proper in terms of class.
0: You began to describe it as the Southern caste system. And oddly enough, your mother worked for head start on the Porch Creek Indian Reservation.
1: I did not discover this about my mother until she was 96 years old and we were going through Hurricane Sally, sitting in the hall and I knew she was frightened. And to keep her from being terribly frightened, I said, mother, tell me some stories, what you did after I left home. And she started telling me this sort of remarkable story about working for Head Start. I think it was in the, the early 70s or the late 60s. And so she worked as a dietitian for Head Start. And we go to the Native American reservation. And at that time, they had no money. They were in dire poverty. Uh, she told me that there was this huge sort of administration building that was used for everything. And there would be like 40 kids. And what she would do was supervise the breakfast and, and the menus. And she told me these very interesting little stories that she said she watched, because they'd always say the blessing, because at that time it was very Christianized, and this one little girl, she watched reach her hand slowly, slowly towards the glass of milk, (laughs) and my mother always remembered that sense of secret urgency that a child has for food, just for hunger, and so she told me that it was very hierarchical in terms of the white employees versus the Native American employees, and that mainly they just had no money at all, that they were really desperate.
0: Now, Patricia, you were drawn to the community of Tuskegee and Tuskegee University. It apparently had a profound effect on you during your visits because you write about them in written in the sky. You came to the conclusion that Tuskegee was a community of resilience. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, what was interesting to me is that there was a community that had had white flight. It had economic deprivation. And yet the people went to work every day. (laughs) They went to college. They read books. They went to the library. I taught classes at the public library, which was very interesting. It gives you an insight into people who comes to the public library. So the classes I taught would be attended by mainly Black women, but also some Black students. And it would be very interesting what they had to say because they told about their lives. And they were very open about their lives. And they were very open about the humor in their lives, their sensibilities, were, of course, the range of human emotions. But I hadn't expected to laugh so much. As so I went to Booker T. Washington High School and interviewed girls. And one of the girls, I know she was a junior at that time, and she went to voice lessons. And I went to interview all the girls and also interviewed their mothers. And this young woman asked me, her name was chastity she asked me to come back the next summer and see a play. And I thought, okay, but this could be very bare bones because it's not going to be a high tech place. So I went with a certain amount of uncertainty. I was stunned. They put on Pearly and it was one of the best plays I've ever seen in my life. And it had 15 people in the audience and it had technical difficulties and it didn't matter what I mean about resilience. They kept on. They were persistent. They did creative work and I totally admired it. Yeah, you talked in the book about
0: she was a little bit shy, and yet when she sang, her whole personality was thrown into her presentation. You are headed to Auburn. Yes. Next week, what's going to happen?
1: Well, I'll be giving a a reading at Pebble Hill. I think it's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'll be reading from my book, Written in the Sky. The next day, Friday, I'll be teaching a class for Ollie, and it'll be a class on the braided essay. It'll be from, I think, one to four in the afternoon. I've taught with Ollie before in Auburn. It's a fabulous place to teach. So, Patricia,
0: having gone through this metamorphosis in your own thinking, what do you see ahead for the state of Alabama and its citizens?
1: I hope that I think for the entire country. What I've loved about Alabama, is not just its beauty and its storytelling, but it's always to me had this committed group of people who really believe in change and who really believe that we can be a better nation and who really believe in democracy and believe that, and actually is an act of engagement to ensure that democracy. So I hope that Alabama continues on that route and has a voice to say important and positive things about democracy. It doesn't get mired in a kind of conservative sort of constraint. Well, let me be the first to
0: welcome you back to your home state next week for your presentations at Auburn and for Ali. And I want to thank you for joining us today and talking about your book, which is dedicated to the memory of your dear mother. Yes. Written in the Sky, Lessons of a Southern Daughter.
1: Thank you very much. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: That was Patricia Foster, author of the memoir, Written in the Sky, Lessons of a Southern Daughter. She returns to her home state for several speaking engagements next week in Auburn. Thanks for joining us today for the Storyline book series on In Focus. Our program is a podcast on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.